This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com. I'm claiming it right now. I'm saying it's the Darbo campus. It's going to be the ethnic oasis of Madison. <laughs> we got Gambian, we got Gambian, we got Latino, we got Mug, we got Black, we got White. You know, I think we can just create this one-stop shop of this campus where people have opportunity. Hello, I'm Lindsay Christians. And I'm Chris Lay. This is The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. We're recording remotely for now. Will Green started mentoring Positives almost 16 years ago to help teens in the Darbo-Worthington neighborhood on Madison's east side learn some of the tools they need to be successful and, as he said, basically be a good person. Where you might have seen Mentoring Positives' name is on Off the Block Salsa, which is sold at Metcalf's and Willie Street Co-op, and also Off the Block Pizzas, which lately Will has been making himself at Feed Kitchens on the north side. We got to talk to Will about pizza dough, the way that food brings people together, social justice, and turning Darbo into an ethnic oasis. Grab some chips and a bowl of fresh salsa and give a listen. Welcome, Will. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate that. So... We wanted to talk with you a little bit today about Off the Block, because we're a food podcast. Can you talk a little bit about why you decided to go into salsa and then and then pizza with Off the Block? For sure. Um, so, you know, I started a mentoring program in like 2004 and, um, you know, started at the loss of my mom. So I think that's very important because her name was Muriel Pipkins. And um, I lost her at the age of 46 to breast cancer. So I had to watch my mom take her last breath. And so I created Mentoring Positives. I took her initials and created that. Um, I had went through a sustainability program, leadership program at Edgewood. And I found out about Urban Ag, Will Allen down in Milwaukee. And um, man, really, truly the funny story. El Mingo came through the neighborhood and he was like, hey, Will, we got to get the kids doing something. I was like, yeah, we do. He was like, let's make salsa. I was like, yeah, let's make salsa. And so we started making salsa. And um, we was actually, we got an acre of land from Holy Cross Church. And we were able to grow tomatoes and peppers on that land with some of the kids that I had in the program. And um, the Salvation Army allowed us to start making it in this Salvation Army right in Darbo, over in the Darbo Worthington Park neighborhood. And so um, we started making salsa, but we wasn't making enough. We was going in like seven o'clock at night and coming out uh, out at like one o'clock in the morning and only had like four cases. <laughs> and so anyway, we um, got into 10 Metcalf, Metcalf Markets with the salsa, all Willie Street Co-op, Regent Street Market, all Metcalfs. So that's how we got into the salsa. Pizza evolved because we are working with the city to provide a youth employment program that we do. And so um, all the products that people buy, the revenue go back to help the kids in the nonprofit. So we're able to pay some of the kids to do some of this work that we do. So teaching tangible skills, um, but really hitting the kids from a social emotional standpoint. Um, It's really important to build like confident kids and people. So the employment just gives us an opportunity to teach them other skills like financial literacy and 
um, you know, marketing, things like that. So the hook is the kids, our motto. So we just look for things that kids are enjoy to do. And we kind of teach through those avenues, man. So food is a big part of that. I use basketball as a part of that. But that's how we teach the kids through those hooks, man. So it's just been a good hook for us. So we didn't intend to do it. It's been a great asset to us because it allows us to continue to do the work um, that we do and also bring um, resources into the nonprofit in such a trying time to find resources and kind of maintain through this pandemic we're still in, you know? Yeah. So you started with the salsa and then how soon until you expanded into the pizza? Yeah, man. Um, it's been a process um, only because I'm working with youth and um, we're just a small mom and pop shop that we are steadily trying to evolve. I think this is like um, this is our 16th year at Mentoring Positives and, and running off the block. And so I think we're at a crossroads right now. We're about to do some like bigger things, grow our production, grow our team. So right now it's kind of like this like breakout time of all this accumulation of working with kids. So really it was like maybe four years, five years before the pizza came into play after the salsa. And so um, Greg Lawless, he worked with UW Extension, has been like our off the block manager. So he's been like really driving our like pizza production. But we're trying to bring our salsa is produced in Sister Bay, Wisconsin. So I want people to know that um, it's just this older lady that helps us produce the salsa. We've been doing using her for the last five years as we have grown our market in stores. And so right now we're trying to bring the salsa back to Madison, too. So we'll have the salsa and the pizza. We make the pizzas over in the feed kitchens over in, on the north side. So we're just trying to bring that whole production back, man. So I'm trying to utilize that model to be in Darbo, actually, to try to provide jobs and um, opportunities for people on the campus over there. The thing I keep coming back to as you talk about some of these things, like having a garden and growing tomatoes and peppers. I mean, I've tried doing that. It was disastrous. It did not go well. Uh, I've, I've tried so many times. I can't even tell you to make pizza dough. And it's like the most finicky, gosh darn thing, because sometimes it rises and sometimes it doesn't. And then you try to stretch it and it doesn't want to stretch that way. And and getting getting all of those pieces into place Along with, I was I was watching some of your, uh, there was an ad you guys did, and I was like, they've got a dairy-free thing now. Like, it used to be just veggies, and now you've added pepperoni. Like, you're doing, yeah. and all of these things, I mean, you say them, but they seem so much harder to me. <laughs> For sure. You know, I just had the opportunity through this COVID that, you know, we wasn't having any youth go in the kitchen, so I had to do it myself. So everything you just talked about is like what I just went through, right? And we just, I got i got a picture of it. I could show you, I could prove it because we just hauled out like four buckets of dough and had to put it in the compost. Not two, three weeks ago, we had to do that. So I know exactly our dough not working. <laughs> um, so it's just, it's been a joy. It's been a joy to uh, watch the kids though. Um, you know, my daughter has been a part of this all her life. You know, we, we had her six months when we started this and she came home and she is like, dad, man, we rock those pizzas. Like it's an art to roll them out. Right. Like I'm finding this art of lifting that rolling pin just a little bit. You know, it's, it's, it's so many things that go into it and adding the pizza uh, adding the pepperoni and the sausage and 
And um, like you said, dairy free. So it's, it's kind of cool to see the kids go through a process and have that finished product right there. And then to top it off is to have people like buy the pizzas. We sell the pizzas through Christine's kitchen delivery service. And um, the kids get to send like surveys out to like our customers so they can get like feedback from the people that they you know sold the pizzas to. So it's been a pretty cool interaction that way. And um, like I said, you know, it's like the hook is the key. I think food is a is a definite hook. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we've talked about like the you know, process of making the food. What goes along with that, obviously, is the marketing and, you know, the processing. And I mean, you mentioned, you know, teaching kids about money, which is definitely something I wish I had learned a lot earlier <laughs> than, you know, and I'm still learning. <laughs> um what have you learned, I guess, about uh, incorporating that as you as you've grown things over the past you know, 15 years of, of mentoring positives? For sure. You know, I think we just do a good job of trying to connect with people who does those specific things like a financial literacy or talent. So we had the luxury of having um, Summit Credit Union come in last year for our youth employment program. And, you know, they delivered some financial literacy to our kids. Um you know, so we, we talk about bank accounts. We talk about trying to save money. Um, I just I just actually talked with Bob Wynn. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he runs like a financial literacy program. So, you know, I've just been thinking about ways for kids to invest more in and being able to like have some some sort of um, cushion to fall back on and just understand, like let money grow. So it's, it's things like that you got to bring to the table. It's different for, for a lot of the kids I work with because our mind state is not thinking in an investment, you know, way of life. But, you know, I think um, it, it's all it's all a learning. It's all a learning tool. And uh, for me, it's more um, kids being compassionate and transpiring in a positive way with people. Even when you get in tough situations, you know what I'm saying? Like teaching people first and then taking those tangible skills and moving on from there, you know? So, because I think we all need to get back to a place where we're just thinking about people and um, kind of having positive transpires with people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I remember when I was writing about Off the Block Pizza a few years ago, some of the kids getting up and talking about like, you know, how they put together the packaging, for example, of the pizza box and like all the things that need to go into that, you know, a package. And, you know, you can, you can definitely hear in the the YouTube video that I was watching recently about the, the Christine's kitchens and like, you know, delivering through that. And they're like, this is perfect. These pizzas are amazing. And I just thought it has the mark of, you know, some collaboration in that. I, so I guess I'm wondering, are there opportunities for some of the kids to get involved in like learning how to do advertising, for example, and learning how to market the product? For sure. Yeah. So we do have a young man. His name is Breon Somerville. He's one of our mentors in the program. Um, he's more into that marketing um, space and he likes that. So we do set aside time for him um, to get with the kids, to offer them to like send, send us clips of the videos that they want to kind of put together. So some of them want to do it. Some of them are very creative. You know, so like we got to make these social distances um, paintings on like the bus stops. And so I'm hopeful that we can get some of the kids to be doing some of those drawings that needs to go like on Darbo, like right there in the Darbo area. You know what I'm saying? So just always trying to think about incorporating kids in, in the way things are being told. They do it from a different perspective. 
Um, we're making it so they can like manage our social media a little bit. Just the whole package, you know, from marketing to like doing the production of the pizzas. Um, you know, one of them is like the dough person. One is like the sauce person. One is like the feedback person. You know what I mean? So the, like the whole production of it, you know, it's just um, it's just a family feeling. You know what I mean? And once you create that kind of um, atmosphere, when we were together, like we don't have kids like out and about too much right now. We are very cautious. We got three kids at a time going out. Um, and that being in the feed kitchen just due to like what we're dealing with right now with the pandemic. Um, but it is kind of scary. You know, I got I got heart disease. You know what I mean? So um, if I go out, you know, I got to be careful if I like the disease or whatever. So that's that's definitely on my mind right now as running this program. You know, you've been you've been doing this for you know 16 years and seeing these kids, you know, come through this program. Has it been strange and difficult for you to not be with them in person? For sure. No doubt. I think it's like so hard for everyone because we strive on like making relationships, you know, being with people. And like it's it's not the same as being in the same room and catching that vibe with people. So um, it's definitely been different and challenging to try to engage over social media. You know, some kids are very shy. and But I think, you know, um, I've seen a lot of kids grow up, and uh, when I do get to connect with them, um, I just talked with some of my older boys that's like in their mid-25s, you know, now. So they're going through a different stage in life. And so um, it's just good to talk with them and um, be a part of their life. I've seen some of these kids that's been doing this since they was nine years old. They got kids. I got a five-year-old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I never like I would have a five-year-old and some of them had kids right next to my kids, you know? So um, it's been a, it's been a crazy 16 years um, transforming that. And, you know, from a Darbo standpoint, from a Darbo Worthington standpoint, I think right now that's going on in the city, you know, it's, it's like eight neighborhoods in this city, you know, kind of carved out. Darbo, Ally Drive, Brentwood, um, who else we got? Metalwood, you know what I'm saying? We got these different pockets of Madison, a city of 300,000 people, you know what I'm saying? Like, why are we, like, kind of pocketing those little pockets of our city? We should be trying to invest in those spaces where we can make it strong, where everybody is strong, having, a, you know, a good well-being of life, you know? We can probably destroy some of the, like, negativity and um, poverty and things that we have in our city, if we started to invest in like little neighborhoods like a Darbo, you know, so I'm claiming it right now. I'm saying it's the Darbo campus. It's going to be the ethnic oasis of Madison. <laughs> we got Gambian, we got Gambian, we got Latino, we got Mug, we got Black, we got White. Um, the Salvation Army is there, you know, that's a big facility right there. You know, I think we can just create this one-stop shop of this campus where people have opportunity maybe some housing where people own it and start to get equity. You know what I'm saying? Like things them grow as, as um, everybody want to do. So that's the dream, man, to create those. So Christine's Kitchen is right there on the campus. From the Salvation Army to the Malt House, that is the Darbo campus, where you create these opportunities for different people in the neighborhood in that corridor. They're going to redevelop it. So it's coming. Yeah. And so I think we just get a head start on what people want in the neighborhood. And surrounded around food, too, I want it to be like um, Donnell Richards' little 
um, Jamaican Irie foods. Um, you know, I think it could be right there. Um, create black um, owned like coffee shops, ice cream shops, people coming off that bike path. Or in that, that space, yeah. um, having the pizza, having the salsa, creating opportunity through that and anything else. That the Barber and Men's Health Center that Aaron Perry does, you know, a model like that. You know, I think if you can create that opportunity for a neighborhood like that, people will understand, like, we can come together and live together um, in a space of that nature. So I'm, I'm living off that dream of the Darvo campus in the future. Five, 10 year plan, but we're working on that right now. And I hope to look like salsa and peace to be a like kickoff to what we can do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sounds delicious. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs. What are the plans right now for the move into the Madison public market? Has the the coronavirus affected any of that? Man, right now, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. So we had to like write this business plan for trying to get in the public market. It's kind of tough for us because we're a nonprofit trying to go in and, you know, you have other businesses that's going in this business. So we actually didn't get the $20,000 grant, you know what I'm saying, to like help us start to build out our storefront. So now we think of like how do how do we move forward with that even? You know what I mean? Like what's what's our next move? Do we still continue to try to be in the public market? Or what does that look like for us? I think it might be other opportunities within that Darbo corridor for us to have our own like space to like sell the sauce and the pizza, which would be nice because I'd be on the Darbo campus to offer opportunity to people within that. So it just uh, work out better. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure uh, what our future is with that. Sure. Have you found that some of the kids who come through your program find that they really love working with food and want to pursue careers in like culinary, in kitchens, things like that? I think so. I think so. Um, as you build this program, you have to try to capture the things that you think are important, right? And so I find a lot of opportunities that we miss to capture things that's happening within our program. I'm, only because it's me and my wife and Greg and this one other mentor right now, you know what I mean? So we don't have the capacity um, that a normal nonprofit would have to like catch communications and marketing of them. You know, we, we're doing a kind of like, we're the janitor, the plumber, the cook, you know, and, and everybody understands. You wear a lot of hats as well as the, the chef's hat. Yeah, you know, so it's no different than other people. You know what I mean? But it's fun. If you run into any of our kids, they find that they love to cook. Um, they love basketball. They love being around the people that they're around. And um, you'll find that they just a different set of kids <laughs> that we that we kind of touch. And, you know. Yeah. I was wondering what role you see food playing in social justice? Yeah, no doubt. I think it's like the main ingredient, right? Like it brings people together. And so, you know, it's crazy because a lot of people don't understand how close we was to like a failure within our food system, you know, and like how serious that could be. Like, Mm. you know, if our, you know, something went wrong in that system. So it's important that you understand how to like grow your own food, and um, be able to feed your family, be able to like be resourceful 
and like, you know, making sure food movement stay at the forefront. It's it's important, you know, if you got some land, own some land. And so it's all just a very serious system that we need to be taken care of. And like my people um, have always been a part of that system, you know. Uh, we've done a lot in the fields. And so um, I think a lot of my people look at it as they're not going back to that kind of space of them working in the field. You know what I mean? But I always kind of thought that. But now that I do what I was doing, I'm like, damn, man, this is this is love. I love this. This that man, you know, <laughs> this is great. You know, so um, it's just been an exploration for me. And, um, you know, I just try to drop the jewels that I can to the, to the kids and people that I come across to make sure they have a positive interaction first and foremost, and, um, you know, use the food and other things as hooks to kind of teach through those avenues. I mean, you mentioned earlier that you started mentoring positives in honor of your mother, uh, had the same initials because we are like a food podcast is wondering, um, like, what are some of the foods that, that make you think of her? What are the like some of the like the, the smells and the, the the kitchen memories that you had from when you were a kid? Man, um, dude, like so my mom's was just like so cold with like cooking. Like that's where I got it from, right? Like it was certain things that she told me. She like taught me how to do laundry, like cook and clean. And like when I went to college and stuff like that, I was so proud that I knew how to do those things on my own. And like make that happen, but I, I just miss her chicken, her fried chicken. We have never, we have never got back to that space. I have never came across it after um, she passed. Um, her just my favorite meal: so chicken, the potato salad, the sweet potatoes, the greens, and the cornbread. My grandmother, even my grandmother's birthday is June twentieth, and when I lost my grandmother, she was forty nine from cancer. So I lost her when I was a junior in high school. So these two women was in the kitchen and they were the queens of the kitchen. And so that's where I got my skills from. And I just remembered that specific food from her. Me and my friends took a trip to Michigan and we went to go see one of our old basketball friends. And we came back and we stopped in Gary, Indiana. That's where I'm from. And so when we stopped there, my mom cooked the food. I would tell you right now, me and my friends are doing Zoom. We have Zoom meetings on Friday night. And he was like, man, remember when we came through your mama's house, man, that's the best chicken I ever had. If I had it recorded, that's what he just said like two weeks ago. So I know it was the chicken that she uh, definitely will remember for, but she's just a beautiful soul, man. She had me at 14 and um, I never knew my dad, you know what I'm saying? At, um, I, didn't, I didn't know my dad until I was 44 years old. Um, so I just recently found out who my dad was. Crazy story. All my family is um, on my dad's side that I found out is living in Milwaukee. I have, I actually had a kid that was at East High School, played basketball for them about five, six years ago, coming to the Salvation Army, which was my first cousin from my dad's side. And I had no idea. In Wisconsin. Oh, my gosh. Small world. Yeah. I went and met That's my. That's wild. I went and met my brother who thought he was a big brother, but I'm the big brother in Minnesota. Got to see my, yeah. 
I met my dad's brothers and sisters. I went to a reunion maybe like three and a half years ago, still figuring out this whole kind of story and just um, to be accepted. They accepted me. You know, I still don't know. It's no DNA test or anything, but the story that I'm finding out after 40 some years that a lot of my family knew, I just didn't know um, about my dad. You know what I mean? And I knew he passed away in 91. Um, I was at away at junior college. And so I didn't go to the funeral or anything, which I, I wish I would have. I, re, I do regret that. Um, but I couldn't hide the fact that I was still a little angry because he wasn't there and I didn't know why. Sure. Well, I know the story now and I'm um, still learning a lot about that story. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. Well, I mean, I feel like it just goes it, it just, just goes to show that there's so many things that we can't predict and places that we can be in our lives and then years later have a completely different perspective. And right now where we are is so uncertain, but also full of, I think, potential. Mm -hmm. And I sort of go back and forth between like optimism and cynicism. Like we've been here before, but I'm optimistic. And I wonder, like you're talking about your dreams for Darbo, like even in the midst of all of this uncertainty. And I wonder, like, are you still thinking about those dreams in the same way that you were maybe before the pandemic? Have they changed at all? Um, are you still kind of trying to dream big? Yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, cr crazy question, you know. So um, I would not lie to y'all to be like, it's kind of scary to be a Black man right now, like for real. And um, But I feel so good about it. Like, it's like, so proud to be a black man right now, you know, um, to see like what's happening right now, you know, um, just, you know, I think just, um, you know, racism and um, a lot of things that's happening in the world that's being addressed that, you know, that a lack of um, my history as a black man and even white people have not gotten the true history of where this country, what has happened in this country. Yeah. And um, I found that through this little journey of this pandemic is that all of us got bamboozled and hoodwinked on what really happened. And we could have like probably fixed a lot of these ills and wills a long time ago. And so, um, so I keep that same positivity of like, it's bad times, but love always trumps hate and uh yeah. and i feel like yeah through all the bad times we'll always our good will always outweigh our evil i feel so i just keep the i keep those dreams alive i keep them deep um right now i feel like madison um is being confronted and i think it's ready to say we need to invest in people like myself in neighborhoods like that and I feel if I can bring the right people, city, funders, and individuals together in the right manner, along with the residents, you know, the residents mean a lot to me, grassroots level, on what they want, what they need. I feel like we can create that dream and make it happen. And I think right now is a time that we have to really fully benefit, um, push investment into a, into a space like that and, and, and see what it could be, because there's other models that's making it happen. You know, Sherman Phoenix down in Milwaukee, um, 
Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles, California. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's other models. So we just invested in, in um, you know, get what the people want and have them, you know, kind of incorporate into that space with us. I think we can make it happen. I got a young lady named Mary Lee Olson, you know, design studio. And so she's been helping me kind of, she's a landscape architect. So she's been helping me kind of like make some drawings that's going to help bring people into the space and kind of incorporate. It's got like this, um, community garden on it. It'll be beautiful if we can pull it off, but <laughs> I don't know if we can pull it off yet. You know, we got to get some, I know, right? We got to get some people together, but, you know, it'd be nice to like be cooking some food, man, taking it in the center, letting people show off them skills, man, and like give the people what they want in that ethnic oasis, you know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's one of the things that I've I've really enjoyed seeing um, with the you know the protests and the you know the marches and everything in Madison is that you know once once the cops kind of settled down you had you know people making food you know I would see these photos around the Capitol of these you know just amazing looking spreads yeah and it just it's been really heartening to see the community come together and, and you know. And, and have food, maybe not necessarily at the absolute center of it, but to be this very specific, you know, binding element of of, of the experience. For sure. You, I mean, you can't say it's not, right? Like, when yeah. you brought food down there, it gave this common, just for us, you know, and everybody could take a little bit or, you know, whatever they had, you know. So it just, it really is just let you know how powerful it is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, just think about it in this most simplest element. Like when you get hungry, you know, you can get like really like cranky. When you eat that food, you know what I mean? It can calm, yeah. it can calm you to a space where you're like, ah, <laughs> you know what I'm Absolutely. Saying? Yeah. And it's like all, all the foods you mentioned when we were talking about, about your mother, all the foods we mentioned are that like very intense, like soul food, the, I mean, yeah. the greens, the fried chicken, I'm, yeah. I'm from North Carolina. So, you know, the, you know, biscuits and I mean, all that is, how, how can you be upset when you have, you know, so much deliciousness, yeah. like right there in front of you? No doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it, man. So, and it's so crazy because like, like Lindsay, you were saying, you know, you change as you get older a little bit. So I had to change those behaviors, right? Like I'm sitting here telling you I have heart disease. I have to take a pill um, to control my high blood pressure. So I'm thinking about that. And, um, you know, it's um, it's something I, I can't do anymore, really. Like eat the fried chicken and all those things that I really, really love to do. I just can't do it no more, you know. I think I think to myself, uh, fried chicken is a sometimes food. Yeah, <laughs> it's a cookie monster thing. Cookies are a sometimes oh, food, sure. anyway. Well, you know, now that I'm about to be about fifty next March, like fifty years old. What? Before that, when I was like fourteen, fifteen, it wasn't like uh, every time. It was like breakfast, lunch, dinner. Like let's do it, you know. So, oh yeah, things have changed. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for taking this time with us today. We really appreciate it. Thank yeah. you for all the work that you do. No doubt, man. It's not work. You know what I mean? I, I love yeah. to do it. And um, man, I'm so blessed to be able to be in that position to do what I'm doing.
This has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Our theme music was composed by Patrick Christians, and the show is edited by Natalie Yar. Please subscribe to The Corner Table anywhere you get your podcasts. Leave us a review if you like it. Check out cattimes.com for more food and drink news. Lindsay and I are both on Twitter and Instagram, uh, so feel free to track us down there. You can check out our recent episodes with bartender Carlin Langley and forager Andy Grisevich. Tell a friend about the show, because we would love for you to do that. Please, thank you. I'm Chris Lay, and uh, this week I'm keeping my outro simple. And I'm Cap Times food editor Lindsay Christians. Our wish for you this week is barbecued ribs, really sloppy ones. The sloppiest. <laughs> Cheers! <laughs> That's kind of cornball, but I'm into it. This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com.